It is just past 18 hours, 31 minutes and 2 seconds East African time, time for John Sibi Okumu on Wednesday. This being Wednesday, the 9th of November, 2022. Hamjambo Nakaribuni, hello and welcome. I'm not very good at telling jokes, but uh, one credited to a and other came to mind in relation to this episode. Here goes. Somebody greets a large group of self-satisfied guests gathered for an award ceremony. Good evening, my name is so-and-so and I'm an alcoholic. Cue laughter. Sorry, wrong group. Cue even more laughter. But maybe not. Cue even more laughter. Comedy is comedy, we should all agree. But those jokes are making light of something very embarrassing. And we should also agree that alcoholism and other forms of addiction are no laughing matter for those afflicted or affected by them. Continentally, Kenya falls within the ranks of super-alcoholic nations, and we read in the press recently that Nairobi, our capital, has 12,500 bars as compared to a city like London with around 3,600. My guest, a mystery at first, as usual, is a sufferer turned helper who now dedicates his working life to the rehabilitation of drug addicts. If I may, helper, please listen to the answers. We put this question to someone, ain't she? And I trust that your Kiswahili is up to responding to the responses. My apologies, I forgot to uh, set you up with a question, but I shall now. Okay. Do you have a relative or close friend who has succumbed to alcohol or stronger addiction? J. Unajama marafiki wakaribu ambaye ameadhariwa na pombe au uraibu wenye nguvu zaidi. Helper, what did you register from the responses? Uh, thank you, uh, John. I think from the general feeling is that uh, the 
the people who have been interviewed have, uh, you know, got a general feeling that drinking too much alcohol is not a good thing and that uh, one cannot uh, be able to be productive, whether it is at work or whether it is at home. They seem to know of a lot of people who've had, uh, who drink too much. And um, so generally, the, you know, it is uh, something that is happening within the country and uh, there's a lot of alcohol being consumed. And um, the general feeling is that it's not good. Could you, in the context of our conversation, extend that to include harder, stronger, tougher, whatever the adjective might be, the heroines and cocaines of this world? Yes, um, I know in, 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 especially in the coastal area, there's a lot of uh, consumption of hard drugs, cocaine, heroin. Um, there are a lot of uh, people also injecting heroin. Um, wherever there's a port, usually there's a high consumption of these hard drugs and because uh, availability is also quite easy. In Nairobi also there's consumption of a lot of drugs, especially I think marijuana is the biggest one. Um, there's also a lot of consumption of the harder drugs like cocaine and heroin also in Nairobi. It's increased over the years. Um, then there's also a lot of consumption of uh, cat or mira, um, which is legal, but um, you know it's still a very highly addictive substance. Well, Helper, where shall we begin to explore this rather sensitive topic? And I, sensitive in the way that it's one of those things which we're not really allowed to talk about. We had reference there to a school teacher who became a shadow of his former self. We had reference there to somebody who had actually died as a result of um, addiction. So the consequences are dire, but unlike many things that we want to sort out in society, we're not allowed to talk about it. So for example, it's the norm now, especially in the West, to come out with that some one sexuality, you have to declare it, there's rainbow, but with the idea of addiction and alcohol and drugs, nobody's to talk about it. Yes, um, you know, it's still highly stigmatized um, um, in Kenya and Africa in general. Um, you know, culturally we are set up, you know, to, you know, drinking has been something that happens, whether it is uh, at funerals, whether it's at weddings to celebrate, you know, it's seen as a normal, you know, um, thing to do. And... Um, so for a very long time, you know, it is not really, the problems of alcoholism has not really been uh, talked about or people have not even been aware that uh, the dangers of drinking, you know. And um, so, and culturally, I think um, we're still at a place where, you know, drinking is, is, is something that uh, is okay to do. Well, I'll also tell you that in terms of uh, culturally, I like that word culturally, um, let me speak for myself because that's where the sincerity lies. It is within my social circles. The lads, it's normally it's the lads, meet up for a drink. More, I, I see groupings of, of, of women as well, and we'll talk about the relative effects uh, across gender. Uh, 
but this idea that everybody, a real man, stands around. So uh, if five people are gathered in drinking's name, it'll be my round, then yours, then, you know, and there are as many beers drunk as there are people. And there's always the person who says, one for the road. And normally at that particular time, there is a switch to something slightly stronger because we've had too many beers. But we, it would be an insult to me and my mates if you were to call us alcoholics. So would you call us alcoholics for behaving in such a way? Um, no, like I say, you know, it is... Um there are very many people who who are able to drink and handle their alcohol, and um, but there are also very many people who are not able to do that. Yeah, um, but I think um, we see alcoholism today as a disease, and uh, someone who has um, a drinking problem, you know, we want to look at that person as someone who needs help, who's suffering from a medical condition, and someone who can be helped medically. Can I take you up on the word disease? Again, there's a sort of hierarchy of illness. There's certain diseases, certain illnesses, which are, are quite sort of, people are sympathetic to them. I won't name them so as not to target certain groups of people, but I will say that if somebody is, for example, is overweight, the idea is that that person is overweight because they eat too much. Uh, what, <laughs> by, and, and people are not sympathetic, uh, because, you know, um, if somebody has men mental illness, you know, well, yeah, that's a nutcase over there, ignore them. This idea that it's it's your fault, it's my fault for becoming an alcoholic. Mm. Would you, what would you say as a plea? What, what happened? Is it owed to my DNA? Is it owed to my parents? Uh, is it because I'm the child of rich people? I'm a spoiled brat? What would you say? Okay, I mean, if you you know, if you go back many years ago, um, alcoholism was looked at more more of a moral question and a moral failing and a lifestyle choice. But um, you know, in in um, the last thirty or forty years, alcoholism has become accepted as a disease, as an illness that can be treated. And um, the problem is, you still many very many people, even in society today, don't understand that don't understand that concept and they're ignorant about it um, so that's um, still very common today and um, I think um, we need more education that alcoholism is a disease and that uh, this person does need help and there is help available again um, do excuse the the lay person's question some of the diseases that we uh, let's say we catch a disease uh, how do we catch alcoholism? Okay, alcohol how does one person catch it? Yeah, because you know you sort of go out and a mosquito bites you, and two days later, three, four days later, you get out into cold sweat. You've got malaria. Okay, so you know alcoholism partly is genetic. It's also partly, um, you know, it, one's exposure, you know, to the environment and an individual experiences one goes through. Um, in life and where one now can start to develop the disease yeah um, so you could find you know there's sometimes history of trauma um, like in our society there's a higher p chance probably of, of 
being alcoholic because culturally, if you just look at Nairobi, for example, with so many bars, 12,500, of course, we're going to have a lot of people with drinking problems. So, you know, exposure and accessibility. And um, so there are very many factors. Just before we take a break, could you answer very quickly, the first of our breaks, is does it affect men and women equally? Because, again, the, the research is that a man can take two glasses of wine to a woman's. Uh, why the disparity in effect? Is it equal? Are there as many women alcoholics as there are men? Is, is there an equality of the sexes in that regard? Um, I think, again, it's culturally how um, society um, you know, is. And uh, I know in Kenya today you will find more men with a drinking problem than women. Um, but that's not to say that women don't have uh, problems. I think they're just better placed at hiding their drinking. Ah. And, um, so expand, hiding. Yeah. How can I, I hide the fact that I drink? Um, well, they'll do it in secret because of, yeah. you know, maybe the stigma that's associated mm. with being an alcoholic. So they, they'll drink in secret and at home, you know. Um, they're very good at hiding, you know, maybe that um, the fact that they're drinking, where, whereas men, you know, will go out, they'll drink out. In it's the almost at high testosterone yes. feet. We, exactly. This is what real men do. Exactly. Time for a break. Helper, alcoholism, drug addiction, Kenya specifically. I'd like us to go, can we call this history, if you will? Everybody, that joke, that sort of um, Academy Awards reception joke that I started off with, it suggests that it brings very many people in, but one of the things was that the person belonged to Alcoholics Anonymous. And there's also the existence of Narcotics Anonymous. Now, I'm interested to know, first of all, if I've got a problem, why the insistence on anonymity? But before we go back to that, I know that Alcoholics Anonymous began in Akron, uh, in the United States in 1917. When did, it, when did we begin to consciously address the problem of alcoholism? Okay. Um, in, in Kenya... Al Alcoholics Anonymous were the first groups were hold, held in the 1970s. Um, so, you know, AA has been in Kenya now for probably the last 50 years. And um, there have been a lot of people who have um, gotten help from AA. You know, it's a free program, number one. Uh, number two, it's been seen to be the one of the most successful programs there is available for people who have alcohol problems. And also the fact that it it um, protects one's anonymity is very important because a lot of people... That, sorry, sorry. before you go any further, yeah. uh, uh, you, uh, I think, you have seen me being drunk. My wife has seen me being drunk. My children have seen me being drunk. So to my nearest and dearest, I'm not anonymous and I must be able to operate at some level in the office 
So why the claim to anonymity? Why not just tell people, folks, I've got a problem and I need help? Isn't that the beginning of rehabilitation? Okay, it's usually, you know, when, when, when one who has an alcohol problem first seeks help, there's a lot of shame and guilt that one is experiencing. Um, so, of course, with shame and guilt, one doesn't want anyone really to know that they have a drinking and, or a drug problem. But I'm trying to suggest, sorry, that the small print is that, you know, they're yeah. doing it. Yeah. That there's being seen, you know, I have returned in a drunken stupor. Yes. So, okay. And um, uh, lots of people, even in gatherings where people are in control, in any anybody who's been in a group of people drinking, you you can easily point out the person who's uh, not all there. So I'm still saying, why address yourself to the thing if we're not going to name names? In any other uh, part of society, people name names. Naming names is, is part of the solution. You haven't yeah. paid your bills, you haven't played your club subscription, yeah. they put your name on a board. So I'm just saying, why the anonymity? Okay, I, you know, denial pay, plays a big part in the disease. You know, that uh, ma there are many people who have a drinking problem who actually think they don't have. And um, so when they first look at uh, ways of getting help, yeah, it's easier for them to get into a program where they're anonymous, yeah, um, because they don't really want to be associated with having a drinking problem. So you're trying to suggest, sorry, helper, you're trying to suggest that it's up to me to define my problem and seek help. But I've got friends, I've got mates, I've got people around me. Uh, what is their role in it? Because they're the ones who are, they're, they're the primary recipients of my behavior. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, um, like I say, a lot of the times, you know, it will be clear to other people that this person has a drinking problem. And then it's, you know, with kind of, um, you know, the awareness that is being created. Yeah. It's easier for for people to, get their family members into these kind of programs. Well, for that person to actually accept help, it's not easy. Like I say, denial plays a big problem. Can I ask another question, which for you might seem, um, well, stupid, but the idea is alcohol is a generic term. So we're going all the way through our busa, our changa, our yeah. traditional beverages, and we have our rum, our coke, our champagne. Since there's so many forms of alcohol, is there one that predisposes one to the disease earlier than the other? So can I sit smugly and say, I'm having my whatever, no publicity for the beer brands, but I'm having my bottle of beer and I'm fine. You're on your double malt whiskey. Um, you're in for the high jump. Yeah. Is uh, there a gradation? Are there some safe alcoholic drinks to consume? That's how I should have put the question. Is there safe as opposed to bad alcohol? Um, okay, of course, um, alcohol is, comes in different strengths. And, um, you know, usually people will start off maybe with uh, maybe beer, but an alcoholic will now at some point progress into to spirits. And um, really, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter, you know. Um, an alcoholic is a person who will drink and has no control over their drinking. And usually when they start drinking, they can't stop. Okay, could we again tie in with the idea of narcotics? Does the escalation, does it mean that if I'm 
high on alcohol now for a year or two, I am by rights going to progress to heroin, cocaine and the rest. Will I just sort of have a dream somewhere and say, because I'm trying to say that there's a third party here. There's an influencer telling me what you really need is, um, you know, here's a needle, have a go. Otherwise, I'd never attempted. Not necessarily, but, um, you know, uh, people who use substances usually start off with um, alcohol and then some will go into drugs, some won't. But, uh, sorry, help, I'm asking, yeah. how will they go in? How, how can you go towards something that you don't know exists? Is it because you've been watching heroin movies and you want to sort of take a scene out of Pulp Fiction or something? What, what's the trigger? Okay, usually, what's the lead? Okay, usually, um, especially with uh, drugs, usually you'll find people will start abusing drugs at a younger age, so peer pressure, um, social media, of course, will have um, the media itself will have some influence. Yeah, availability also to drugs. Um, so ge generally, the kind of exposure one will have can determine. So you're setting up. We're, we're going to have a, a savage indictment of something. There's going to be a culprit at the end of the day. Here's a society where we have our uh, myriad bars in our capital city. Here's a society where. Um, uh, the drugs are available. Hasn't this all of a sudden become a national tray? Isn't it all right to be drunk because one is Kenyan, an addict because one is Kenyan? That's us. Yes. That's us. Is that flippant to say that? Um, unfortunately, I think um, ignorance has played a part, you know, um, and lack of uh, awareness that um, alcohol. Um, can be dangerous, you know, and um, I think helper. We all know that because, yeah. uh, well, again, my 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 folks, my parents never encouraged me. The whole thing about one of the rites of passage to go from sort of um, childhood to adolescence to adulthood is, in effect, to progress to having a beer, having a cigarette, having 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 sex. All these are. Uh, sort of rights of, of human passage. Uh, so it's not, it's like if you haven't been there, then everybody's laughing at you and making fun of you because there you are, you're 50 years old and you haven't had a drink. Hmm. So, yeah, I think, um, you know, if you look at Kenya, for example, um, we only became aware really that um, alcoholism is a disease probably if we, in the last 20 or 25 years and um, you know before that it was very acceptable like you say to 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 rites of passage to have alcohol there weddings funerals you know it was part of life um, and um, people really didn't know the risks associated with uh, mm -hmm. with uh, with alcohol and right. and and, yeah. and uh, even today still you know there's still um, a lot of ignorance out there so the way that we can break these barriers up is about creating awareness and having public education, also prevention programs now in schools, you know, where we try and even prevent people even getting and picking up alcohol, you know, knowing again, the risk factors involved. Again, we're talking about Kenya specifically and our culture. Uh, it's, a, it's a spiritual country. It's a religious country, whether whatever the religion might be, it could be Islam, it could be Christianity, it could be Hinduism, 
these are all religions, faiths, which deplore the use of alcohol. And we declare ourselves a Christian, a Muslim, a Hindu country. Do you see that are we a highly hypocritical society? Are we hypocritical Christians? Are we hypocritical Muslims? Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Because in our discussion, I, I, I'm trying to get to root causes before further along the way um, we look at some solutions. And at the level of, of root causes, we believe, we know that drinking, even a little for a, a young child, is bad. And if you, if you see a picture uh, of, uh, there's some pictures I see of parents, like kids on their first birthday, sort of holding, uh, uh, taking a swig. And it's deplorable. How dare you um, introduce your child to alcohol at such a young age? So we know it's bad. Yeah. And you're saying we've let it get badder and baddest. Yeah, I mean, um, I, you know, we have that. But of course, you know, in, in Kenya, drinking like has been very um, is a part of culture, you know, and mm. it's become acceptable in a way, you know. Um, and you'll find even um, parents taking their children out to places where alcohol is sold. And they'll be drinking even in, as the children are there. And it's become kind of acceptable, you see. And then now the problem has got so big, you know. Uh, a lot, you know, I think as a society, you know, we're grappling at how to deal with this issue. Right. Um, one more question before we lead to the, the, the next segment. Uh, and it has to do with this idea of acceptability you've said that if you set up programs I want to suggest to you that alcoholism is only a problem of the wealthy the well-to-do and as I said earlier um, it's the children the spoilt children of very rich people who have the luxury of indulgence is that as somebody who runs uh, rehabilitation centers is that your experience through your clients they're all rich. No, I mean, the disease of alcoholism addiction cuts across all, um, you know, through through the entire society, whether one is poor, from the middle class or rich. Um, the thing about rehabilitation in Kenya has been expensive generally. So you'll find that people who have been accessing it are people who have the means to pay for it. But that's not to say that the you know that um, it is not affect the poor are not affected by it. Uh, they, they are. I mean, if you go to the slums, you know a lot of there are a lot of um, alcohol being brewed in the slums. There's a lot of uh, people drinking there. There's a lot of marijuana being consumed there. And you know, it generally, you know, the, there's a big problem. It doesn't matter what um, cross section of society you are from. It's just that. Uh, the people with the, who, who can afford it have been affording the treatment, which is unfortunate. We need more programs in the country today that will help people who can't afford treatment. And there are very many out there. You know, and in fact, there are more people who can't afford than affording. You know? Thank you very much for those answers. Helper, we're discussing alcoholism and drug addiction in general. I'd like you to turn your mind now to 
the individual, the sufferer. And again, do forgive me if, um, if you don't like the image that I'm coming into your mind. The idea that if you're doing something wrong and you're pointed in the right way, somehow you will see the light and you will be forced to get better. So when you say that you run a rehabilitation center, is it being unkind to suggest that all you need to do is to put somebody in solitary confinement, punish them, punish them in a way for what they're doing, keep them in solitary confinement for whatever period it might be, a year, two years, three years, but keep them away from the bad stuff and magic wand, the problem will go away. Is that all rehabilitation entails? keeping the sufferer from the substance? No, of course, there, there are a lot of myths about rehabilitation and what, what actually happens. And it's not just um, bringing someone and locking them up. You know, it's, um, there's a lot that happens uh, during the process of rehabilitation. So there's a lot could you could you explain? Maybe that's where the where the idea of um, civic education comes in. Yeah, uh, I, I would allow you to sort of give us a little mini lecture. What 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 does it involve in what you do? Could you tell us, please? Okay, so <clears throat> usually the process of rehabilitations, one will come in, one is assessed first, and um, for for the problem that they have, and f based on that assessment, now a treatment plan plan will be formulated. Yeah, for the duration of uh, that person's stay. And in during rehabilitation, there's a lot of, um, after the initial withdrawal process, there's a lot of individual therapy, there's a lot of group therapy um, that happens on a daily basis, okay? So the person is actually going through a very uh, intense program where there's a lot of education, um, introduction to a lot of life skills also, yeah, concepts and uh, disease concepts about alcoholism and and um, the skills that are needed in order to 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 stop drinking. So there's a, actually a lot that happens during the course of rehabilitation. The family is also part of the process because remember, alcoholism just doesn't affect the individual; it, it affects the entire family. So the family also brought on, uh, brought on board in part of that process, and there's counselling also for the family. Yeah. Um, to help them also to understand because there's a lot of ignorance to understand what addiction is and how they've been affected and how they can also heal themselves and how they can also help the, their loved one during the process and even after. So it's quite an intense program, yeah. Um, so it's not a one-size-fits-all process? No. Could you be in... Uh, d would you have to perhaps return intermittently to have a sort of refresher course or uh, do you see what I'm yeah. trying to suggest? Yeah. Okay, um, so usually after rehabilitation, there's a lot of, um, you know, um, ongoing um, support that one has to go through, um, continuous support. And uh, that is done in various ways. There are programs for people who leave, after they leave rehab, where it helps them to reintegrate back into society. And um, so there's a lot of help available even after one leaves rehab. There's also AA, which is a free program, which um, is there as a support. Which is Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, which is a support. And Narcotics Anonymous. And Narcotics Anonymous, which, is a which are support groups for people who have 
alcohol and drug problems. So you're suggesting that there is an AA station in every single corner of this city, or again, is this a class construct? No, no. I mean, AA takes place every day in Nairobi, and um, there's sometimes more than one uh, meeting in a day. So right, so is this spread across the land, if I may ask that question? Now, we always use Nairobi as a point of yeah, reference. Yeah. But, you know, it's the capital city and all that, and there are 5 yeah. million people, but there are another 42 million walking up and down. What, what do they do? Yeah, I mean, most of the help, unfortunately, has been centered in Nairobi. Okay, and some of the other now major towns also, like Mombasa, um, Diani, there are AA and NA programs there. Um, you'll find... Maybe in places like Nakuru, some of the bigger towns and cities, there there, there are AA meetings. Um, but you'll find um, a lot of places where there's no support at all. So it's it's something that uh, we need to, to try and address. Um, but uh, most of the help is actually found within Nairobi and the support after leaving rehabilitation. You've alluded to the destruction that um, can be wrought by alcoholism within a family so uh, people want to get divorced um, children are doing badly at school uh, probably being pointed to in the playground does the rehabilitation process spread its wings to deal with the wife or husband who wants out and the children who want to drop out of school in other words does it focus on the individual alone or does it is it, um, there's a word, is it holistic? Is that the word one might use? Yeah, no, it is holistic. So the family are uh, part of the treatment plan and they're brought in at certain times to have um, counselling sessions with with their loved one. Um, so that, uh, you know, it, it is a big part of the process because if you don't heal the family, you know, the... The person who who's getting the alcoholic or the, the 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 person who's addicted to substances might not get the 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 correct help. So you have to address it not only from the individual who's getting the help, but also from the family level. One of the the findings that I came across and before talking to you was that the F word frustration was being repeated over and over again and that is to say forget the the gene forget the dna this idea that i'm falling short of society's expectations of me and i turn to alcohol as a kind of refuge yeah i mean you know of course in society today you know people are experiencing a lot of stressful situations and um there's a lot of pressure also, you know, to um, for 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 so, so people will now drink more, you know, in order to cope with the stress that society is placing on uh, individuals and individual expectations. So it is a big, um, you know, um, stress frustration is a big reason why people drink. So, isn't it also true that in fact? If you're depressed now, if I'm depressed now, and um, I hit the bottle, uh, in the way, sub, in addition to the hangover, I'm going to feel worse for having drunk than if I'd left it alone. So, in other words, it's not a cure. It's not a solace that is presumed to be alcohol. No, um, 
You know, okay, people in the beginning will drink in order to, if they're depressed, to change the way they feel. But of course, alcohol is a depressant also. So over time, over time, of course, you know, um, it doesn't solve anything, you know, and um, the problem will become worse with time. Again, there is, uh, again, I'll ask you to, in belief systems, people would say that such conditions can be healed simply through prayer. I'm not asking you about your religious beliefs, but I am suggesting that one prayer, one can think or meditate oneself out of the problem. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's uh, again... Um very common for for society to use um, prayer to try and help people who have drug and alcohol problems. But as the person progresses during the, the their drinking or drugging, they lose touch with uh, with uh, their religion, say, and with God. So when you try to use prayer with someone who's heavily addicted, it doesn't uh, really help at all because that person has moved away completely. But I, I do believe that Alcoholics Anonymous uh, stresses the idea of A, admission. Remember, uh, I'm so-and-so and I'm an alcoholic. So you had to admit it to yourself. Yep. And after that, you had to, I think, uh, maybe I've got this wrong, you had to seek the intercession of a higher power. That was part of your recipe for getting better. And this higher power maybe translates into God. Exactly. Um, you know, a big part of the AA program is making a spiritual connection and reconnecting with a higher power. But you'll find in the early stages of recovery, there are very many alcoholics who find it hard to to reconnect with their higher power. And um, and um, so sometimes it, it does take time for that to happen. Um, you know, it's it's a very common thing that uh, you'll find many addicts and, and, and al- alcoholics struggling with that concept because uh, step two and three of the 12-step program of Al- Alcoholics Anonymous stresses on the importance of reconnecting with your higher power. But you'll, you'll find a lot of the time that it does take time. It's not automatic. It doesn't happen right away. So are you suggesting again for, the, for those who are non-believers, if you belong to the National Atheists um, Society, the message to you is that you'll never get better. No, not at all. Um, not at all. Um, AA still speaks to to people who, who 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 don't believe in God, you know. But you try to identify a higher power. It doesn't have to be God. It can be something else. Right. You know, you know making a spiritual connection with uh, the world and yourself. It doesn't have to involve religion or God. Yeah. It can involve nature or things like that. The idea of, um, what is the word, uh, having a relapse. Again, as with many diseases, you can get cured seemingly. Uh, and then, you know, the dreaded cancer comes back. Three. Is this the same with alcoholism? Yes. Um, alcoholism is a relapsing uh, disease. Um, um but um, that is why it's very important for us to strengthen the programs that we have yeah, um, in order to try and prevent relapse as much as possible. But yes, it is. It's true. It is a relapsing disease. It does happen. 
So if we stay with that image, again, I'm trying to make um, linkages, uh, you would go uh, for many other things for frequent checkups. So, uh, you know, people, friends, you know, they've got a certain day, fly off to the UK, fly off to South Africa, medical tourism to India, to make sure that whatever that they have is still where it's at and to seek first-rate treatment to make sure there isn't a relapse. What are the connections to alcoholism in Kenya? Exactly. I mean, um, that is why we have AA. And luckily in Kenya today, you know, well, especially in Nairobi, AA is very strong. And AA is there for people who want to attend. There's a meeting every day, sometimes more than one, and there's seven days a week. So, you know, for, for in order to prevent relapse, AA is one of the best um, support systems that we have in order to prevent relapse. And it should be an ongoing process. Um, because recovery, one, it never really, you can never say you're cured because there is no cure to alcoholism. It is a treatable, it's treatable and it's manageable through abstinence. And the, and the way one will maintain abstinence is, is through using the, the supports that are there, like AA. So you'll find there are very many people, even who are 20 years, 25 years um, sober from alcohol, and they're still going to AA today. And that is probably what has kept them sober all those years. Thank you very much. Time for our last break. Helper, our last segment. We're going to go back to the link because we had talked about other drugs. And again, the common knowledge that Kenya is somehow a drug capital of the world. Wonderful. And this is, is this on a, is this the kind of question for you to describe the truth and the magnitude of the problem? Is, is this the, uh, your answer to that question the sort of thing that would get you into trouble in certain quarters? Or you can you say something about it? Kenya is a drug hub. Yeah, I mean, it's been known that Kenya has been a drug hub for a very long time. You know, um, for example, now drugs coming in from South, South America have come in through to Kenya and then being redistributed to Europe. Heroin is c- coming from traditionally places like Afghanistan, India. Pakistan into Kenya and again redistributed to to Europe and um, I think um, you know we've been associated with uh, as being a drug hub for a long time it's it's common knowledge you know it's documented even in the UN uh, ODC reports so again it's if it's uh, uh, the idea of solutions as part of these conversations is this part of our essential nature as a country or is there something that can be done about it? Because we're now bringing in the idea of of government. If we have governments, isn't the government's role to look after all its citizens? Yet there isn't a single manifesto leading up to the last elections which made specific reference to the problem. So, conclusion, it's not that big a problem. There are bigger problems to deal with. There's drought. Leave drugs alone. Yes, of course, um you know, drugs fall down on the list of uh, priorities as a country. Um, but I think um, with a new administration, I believe that there is going to be some headway because um, if I was just to mention that uh, 
the, the Association of All Rehabs in Kenya, APRAC, which is the Addiction Prevention Rehabilitation Association of Kenya, was registered in around 2019. And we have about more than 100 members. Last year, President Ruto um, launched the association on World Drugs Day. And um, so I think, um, you know, we, the hope is the new administration is going to do a lot in, in terms of um, tackling drug abuse and alcoholism in this country. And 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 the trafficking, and we, you know, I believe there's going to be some headway made. But again, the common, the knowledge, the common knowledge also is that um, some of the richest people in the land are associated with it. I mean, we've seen in Latin American com- countries, sort of a president sort of um, going out to have a walk, and all of a sudden he's grabbed and off for life imprisonment. Uh, I'm trying to suggest that. It's always a difficult thing to tell guests like you that some of these problems are intractable. You can't get rid of them. Yeah, uh, yeah. So you can you can be a crusader, mm. but there's nothing really helper that you can do. Of course, um, we are playing our our role, but we know um, it's not just in Kenya, but uh, you know um, across the world. You know, people will always want to use drugs and alcohol, and uh, you can't stop that. Mm. You know, America. You know tried for a long time and um, you know they had a war on drugs which uh, has been lost and um, that's why now you'll find a lot of programs well you had the, the gentleman in the Indonesian country where he sort of rounded up people and sort of his prob- his solution was to shoot them yes and again in a de- in a democratic society that is meant to be bad so shall we say that for you Ben we're, we're going to move more to you as an individual it's just adding that teaspoonful of um, sugar in an ocean of salt is that is that your life's calling just to, to stem rather than eliminate no i mean you know personally i am i have uh, been through addiction myself i've used drugs and alcohol for a number of years i've been rehabilitated i've gone through that process and i know it 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 works and that is my role now is to help other people who are going through similar experiences to get the help that I was given um, 20 years ago, um, the chance to recover from drugs and alcohol, and that's the best I can do. So I'm not really a crusader. I'm just trying to give back and and give back what I, I received um, through rehabilitation, and I was given a new purpose and meaning in life. And that is just what I'm trying to do as an individual today in Kenya and to help people who who have drinking and drug problems. If it's not that sensitive to you, surely a lot of the questions that I've asked you up until now, you can relate to from a personal perspective, as in, how did you start? Were you a spoiled rich brat? Yeah, I mean, um, I started, um, again, probably to peer pressure. And, mm, yes, um, exactly peer pressure and the availability mm. also um, yeah I'm, I'm in moments of self-revelation because i have taught um uh, young people as part of my branding and many of my past pupils will tell me well you never caught us but you know we're doing it all the time in the lose kind of thing so yeah peer pressure is a thing yeah i mean i went to boarding school in england and um you know the british system again is a bit dif- different to what we find in kenya so by the time I was going to to boarding school, 
um, I found that uh, um, my my peers had already been in in school for two years, so it was very hard for me. One not being from that um, part of the world, you were, Ken- the, you were yeah, Kenyan. Yeah, I was a Kenyan, and yes. also, you know, they'd been together for two years and had made friendships and bonds, and um, you know, they. So, so the so sense of alienation, yes. not being part of, is a great contributor. Yes. So for me to fit in, you know, I, I just found myself gravitating towards probably the, uh, the wrong crowd and uh, peer pressure, like I say, to fit in. And it, that's how it started. So fast forward to uh, 20 years ago. Uh, when, is the, when is the switching mechanism that led you to say, I must do something about this, if I, that will in- inspire th- those listening who might need inspiration? Um, I think in my own case, um, you know, I, I had no choice. Um, but you could have gone all the way into the abyss, as we heard from the original thing, and yeah. um, uh, we'd have, you know, be sort of tending to your coffin. Yeah, the, yeah I think um, in my case, and in a lot of people's cases, the decision was taken out of my hands. You know, at that particular time, I think circumstances just dictated that I had no choice but to go into rehabilitation program and many people find themselves in that position so and the, the other thing is that the, the systems that again this idea of us compared to others in the world you'd have gone into a rehabilitation program let us say Ulaya in the west somewhere because we here hadn't seen the light until professor whoever it was I had in my who was the university lecturer who set up the first meeting um, I knew the answer at some point but um, yeah, we hadn't seen the light. Yeah, I mean, when I f- went into rehabilitation here, which was uh, 20 years ago, there were very few treatment centers or rehabilitation centers in this country at that time. But there were probably about four or five only. But I think I was lucky that I uh, um, got into the right treatment center with the right here. people. Here, I'm trying to suggest again, here. Yes, here in Kenya. Right. And um, uh, I, I got into the right... Um, into the right uh, place with the right people and the right programs and um, I think I'm very grateful Um, when I was first looking for help probably in the 1990s there was very little available in Kenya Um, there was probably only one rehabilitation center Um, today there are more than a hundred and so treatment is also more accessible now Um, so I think I, I was very lucky I was one of the you know the the very first people to go into good rehabilitation programs in this country 20 years ago. So could we address the idea of, uh, of a cost, that terrible thing? You're taking your school, your kids to the best school. Uh, what kind of, can you lead, what kind of investment is um, required here? What, in to, yeah, to, to get uh, an average, I, you know, I've heard this, I want to, how much to get the kind of treatment you had 20 years ago, how mm. much would it cost you today? Today, um, there are various costs, but on average, you're looking at um, rehabilitation programs today, roughly, you they can cost from about um, 45,000 shillings per month up, upwards, and some of them are even more than 100,000 shillings. So it's not, it's you know, it's quite expensive. Right, I've found the detail. Uh, in 1971, the late Professor Joseph Mungai, then the Deputy Vice-Chancellor of the University of Nairobi, 
who had also served as the first dean of the School of Medicine at the university, chaired the first public information meeting on the disease of alcoholism. This public information meeting led to the formation of the first AA group in Kenya. So we're going back to 1971. Uh, very quickly, what do you th you've talked about the intervention of Dr. President Ruter. He is a doctor too. Um, what can the government do for us now, very quickly, before I ask you your name and we come to an end? Okay. Um, I think um, there needs to be a lot more access and affordable access and more rehabilitation centers because the majority of the people in the country today cannot afford rehabilitation and that is very unfortunate so so again i always ask when people suggest solutions could you as the institution that you've described could you take a delegation there's always this disconnect between power and the people you're saying what well, the government ought to do this mm. are you going to see the governor of nairobi are you going to see the minister for health whom are you going to see? Okay, we've had a meeting with President Ruto. Um, we've had, um, with the chairman of APRAC, we've had a few meetings with the current President Ruto about um, the problem in the country and what needs to be done. And uh, he's been very receptive towards us. Um, you know, at the time we also met Governor Sonko, we would like to also work with Gov Governor Sakaja also on uh, providing more affordable programs in Nairobi and all governors but especially in Nairobi because of course uh, there, there's a big problem in Nairobi and we need a lot more rehabilitation centers that are affordable to the general public so again NHF you know we we would like uh, more of the centers to be accredited by NHF because NHF does pay for for treatment in in some facilities but not not the majority um, we'd also want um, insurance companies to come on board and pay for for addiction. Right now, they don't in this country. They don't pay for alcoholism. Um, so we'd like to see, you know, maybe some insurance companies actually coming and covering the cost of treatment. So I think there's a lot that can be done. And um, but so far, um, you know, the current president has been re very receptive towards us, and uh, we look forward to more engagement with him. May I ask you one last question, maybe 30 seconds to answer it, and that is, as a parent, if you are, if you would be, uh, what would you say to, as a parent to young adolescent teenage children now, apart from don't do it? Okay, I mean, the, the, you know, in Kenya today also, there are some very good uh, programs, prevention. You know, pre, you know tr we want to, you know, put uh, children into programs that are prevention-based. So we try to educate the children through these prevention programs, and there are quite a number now taking place in schools. Um, and um, so we, you know, I urge all parents today, and I am a father of three sons, uh, three boys, and have a lovely wife, that uh, there is help available. There's more awareness now about uh, the risks involved, and there are more programs available today um, to, to actually prevent people getting into alcoholism and drug addiction. I've left it right till the very end. I think I've broken the record with you. What is your name, <laughs> sir? My name is Justin Farrer. Um, I am uh, uh, in the field of treatment. I have rehabilitation centers here um, in Kenya. And yeah. It's um, 19 hours, 
29 minutes and 30 seconds and we have to stop there do continue to give us feedback hopefully positive and reassuring on the twitter handle at capital fm kenya or drop us a text or whatsapp message on 0701984984 i've been talking to helper justin farrah manager of four rehabilitation centers in this country and you've been listening to john sibiokumu on wednesday thank you most kindly for doing that until next time <laughs>